Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content, and we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She's been name-dropped a couple times, so it's about time we got her on the show. So today's guest grew up playing for the Ottawa Mavericks, where she won the Evelyn Hollick Award. She went on to play for the Florida Gators in the NCAA, and as a pro, she's played in Bulgaria, Chinese Taipei, the Philippines, Japan, and next year will be off to France. And you'll recognize her as a member of Team Canada who just represented us in VNL. Please welcome to the show, Shina Joseph. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. So usually we set a timeline and we have a framework for the show. And, you know, when you, when you get close to 200 episodes, it starts to, you know, follow a formula a little bit. But I, I'm going to break off that today because I, I got to bring up a funny story and get your side of it. So when we had Anna Fior on the show, she mentioned uh, she got buddied with you during physical testing for the women's indoor national team. And she mentioned you're absolutely crushing it and, and you're at the push up station and, and you do your set and, and you're rocking it. And she kind of does one and you're helping guide her through and she gets to like four and all of a sudden you're like, fuck. 12 13 yeah good job and i keep going so did you remember that moment because i think it was one of the funnier stories i think we've heard on the show oh man like i i don't remember i just i do remember the story of anna like trying to do push-ups and she was like Shana, i can't do any push-ups like i haven't <laughs> done push-ups in years um so i think like i was just trying to help her out in that moment but yeah i i vaguely kind of remember that Awesome. Awesome. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with your career, I did mention you played for the Ottawa Mavericks, but I'm curious, when did you uh, kind of make volleyball your thing? Like what other sports were you playing growing up? And then when did you discover club volleyball? So I played like growing up, I loved basketball and I loved doing track and field. So I was super into doing that. And like kind of any like, you know, especially in elementary, I was doing all team sports. But I think it really started in like grade six, I wanted to do all the school teams and I didn't make the volleyball team. And I was kind of insulted in that moment because I'm like, okay, I'm super athletic and volleyball is not even like a real sport. And I didn't make the team. Like I was so insulted because in gym class, like volleyball was the one sport you couldn't really get rallies going because not a lot of people knew how to technically play volleyball. So once I got into, um, so to prove my coach wrong, you know, um, in uh, Franco Cité, they do like uh, sport which is like you do a sport for like as a as a period, you know, like so in one of your in your class schedule, you have volleyball or whatever sport you choose as an actual class. And then the other class is um, a study time to catch up on work and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go to uh, middle school and I'm going to try out for the volleyball team and I'm going to prove to my coach that he needs to take me back on the team. So in the in the spring, I believe I went to the tryouts. I made tryouts like right away. Like the ladies saw me, the coach saw me, and she's like, "What you can?" T-? I was touching like ten three or ten five at the time. Uh, she's like, "You can touch ten five? She's like, "You're on the team." <laughs> so I was like, "Heck yeah!" So I go to my elementary school teacher, and I'm like, "Hey, I made the like team for you know middle school. So can I be on the team now?" And he's like, "No." So I was so disappointed, and I was stuck with volleyball. Uh, in middle school so I kind of like went with it and I fell in love with the sport 
That's that's fascinating. So obviously we love having you in the volleyball community. I think you made the right choice. But when you're that young and you're touching over 10, are you are you not dunking like for fun uh, in basketball? Yeah, I, exactly. And I remember getting in trouble in elementary school because I was going and I was dunking and I was hanging on the rim. And my gym teacher's like, he was yelling at me. Then he came to me and he said, you know, I'm just going to say I've never seen any girl like and maybe he's like and maybe even maybe one guy dunk on a basketball uh, rim like in this school. So that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I didn't know, you know, I was just kind of playing sports. So I didn't know it was like an impressive thing that like you weren't training or like you didn't do like any fitness stuff for fun. Like you just felt like naturally like you had a pretty like gifted jump. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I was a kid, like I was just playing, like playing sports just to stay active, you know? So yeah, I just saw that like, they're like, yeah, just put the ball. And I'm like, all right, like it's simple, you know, like just jump and put it in the rim. It's easier than trying to shoot it. So that's what I did. <laughs> that's so great. So with Ottawa being such a great sports community, did any, uh, like club basketball coaches or even like your school basketball coaches try to draw you there or, or you knew volleyball was going to be the one that you wanted to play at like a competitive club level? Well, I, I have to say like after, um, I would say that after seven and eight, like at my, um, it was like a middle school, high school, we didn't have basketball after grade eight, you know? So I, and I was doing both and our basketball team wasn't so good. And I was pretty skinny back then. So I was getting trampled by all these big, like big sturdy girls. So I wasn't loving the sport as much as I, I think I could have liked it, you know, like if I was training at a higher level and I could see, you know, I was more exposed to basketball, maybe I would have been drawn to that, but I was loving volleyball. It was a team sport. And I was actually like, you know, I had my Jersey with my name. So I thought that was really cool. And I did some track and field and I was really into that because I, you know, it was really cool to be able to do many different kind of disciplines. So that's kind of how I, I stuck to that. And no basketball club, nobody ever came to me. So I stuck with volleyball. Wow, that, that's so interesting. So uh, we've had Frank St. Denis on the show, who's a, just a great ambassador for our sport, but does a lot with the Mavs community. So I'm curious, uh, he's usually on the boys' side, but who would a coach do on the girls' side? Like, do you remember any coaches? Or remind me, who was in your cycle of athletes, I guess? Like, are you a little bit older than, like, uh, Leah Musso and Sabrina Roy? Like, who would have been on your teams growing up, and who were some of the coaches? So for my all my four years of playing club, I played uh, – who coached me was John Spock. And, um, he's, he's the greatest and I still talk to him and I still go visit him when I can. I would say he taught me everything I needed to know back then. And he got me to really fall in love with the sport and like become a gym rat that I was, but I played, I was older than Leah and I played with Saab for one season and I played with her sister actually for I think three years, four years actually. So, um, I played my first year. I played 16U, and I played one year up because that John John Spock kind of recruited me. Like he came to my parents' house and he told them that, "Hey, Shina's really good. You know, she's gifted. Um, if she comes and plays club, like I think it'll be very rewarding for her in the future, and she might, you know, she might be able to get scholarships." So my parents, like nobody plays sports competitively in my family. Okay, like people are athletic, but nobody plays competitive sports. So they were kind of like, 
why would we spend all this time and money like on competitive sports, you know? And they were all about academics. So I was like, please, 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 can I play? Can I play? So they finally said yes. And I played one year. Yeah, I played 16U. And I got four offers to play in university down in the States. Then my parents were like, whoa, you're definitely like, you know, you're doing this like 100%. So they like were all on board. And the following years, I played three years 18U. And uh, so I played with like Vicky Savard. I played with Sophie Carpentier. Um, I played with Callie Soro. She's the Ottawa U assistant coach. Yeah, the, that's, the, that's the gang that I kind of played with. That's so interesting. So I think obviously like physically you're at that level, but I'm always curious when an athlete plays up that far ahead of, of their own age class. Like, did you ever have trouble like even socially? Cause I think sometimes what an 18 year old's talking about in the team room isn't the same as a 15 and 16 year old, what they're talking about, right? Or even like schoolwork, you wouldn't be in the same classes as them. Right. So what was there ever a dynamic or did you feel like you fit in and there was a lot of good leaders? And like you said, John was a great coach and made you feel comfortable or what was that dynamic like of just playing 18 U for three years? Like you said, um, I thought it was amazing because I it made me grow so fast as an athlete. Like my first year playing 18U, I didn't think I was going to play, you know, like I thought it was more of like a learning experience. And the first tournament, like after the first set, I played and I never left the court, you know. So I think in terms of development, it was the greatest thing I could do because when you know, in your 18 year, you usually have a really good season or everybody gives them like, you know, gives their all. And I had three years of that. So I thought it really like pushed me to excelling really fast. Um, But in terms of like socially, I was always kind of a social butterfly when I was younger. And I always got along, got along with people that are older than me. So I didn't feel like socially awkward. But that for sure, sometimes there's conversations where I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, like I'm with the big kids <laughs> um, and I was getting exposed to like things that, you know, like not a lot of people my age were getting exposed to. But um, like I said, like my parents were super strict. I was on a tight. I was so involved in school and sports that I never really had time to, you know, let's say, like go out and drink and do things like that. So um, it didn't affect me in a negative way. Nice, nice. And you mentioned John really taught you the game and you got fired up and you were passionate about it. So what's an example of that? Like, did you get really drawn to like some tactical stuff? Like, were you more worried about technical and just delivering certain skills? Like, what were some of the things that really drew you to to volleyball and that you kind of recognized you could play at the next level? Well, I thought it was cool how you could be super physical, but not interact with anybody directly. You know, like there was no like, you know, body to body contact, like I played basketball, you know, and that was the one thing I didn't like about basketball. But it's like, everything like kind of worked in my advantage, you know, like I could jump super high, I was powerful, like I could hit hard, it was out of control. Absolutely. You know, like, I didn't know how to hit like, within the court. But after like, you know, a couple months, I was hitting hard in the court. And I and I was a really good blocker at a young age. So that was pretty it was pretty cool. And I think having John Spack, like he was always watching volleyball. He was always going to like the Ottawa Gigi's game or when there was a tournament in town, he was like kind of telling the girls, Hey, you guys should go. So I would go and I would go and hang out with him and I would see what he was talking about. He's like, okay, you see this girl, like she does this and that. And it kind of like that aspect of like kind of hanging out with my coach, um, 
got me to love the sport. And also like I started interacting with like the university coaches and I became really good friends with them. Like uh, Christine Drakeage and Gabby Jobs at the time, um, Joe Lee, like I would hang out with them at tournaments and, you know, they would come and sometimes give us clinics and they would give me advice, you know, not just about volleyball, but they would give me advice about recruiting and like, you know, career plan and like playing pro and playing national team and their experiences. So I thought it was, yeah, there was a technical aspect of it, but there was also a big social component, which was really cool. Cause like I said, I was always so busy. So it was a nice excuse for me to tell my parents, Hey, like I'm going to watch the volleyball game with my coach, but really it's like, I'm going to socialize and learn and like hang out. You know, that was that escape for me. Yeah, that that's great. So when recruiting kind of hit in a big way for you, like you mentioned the the first like year you played club, you're already getting attention. Was Canada ever an option or were you considering the NCAA right away? Like what were some things you considered? Because it, it sounds like you had a lot of options. I'm just considering what were some of the things you weighed maybe more heavily than others when you were deciding what post-secondary place you're going to go to? Well, initially I, I really wanted to go to RMC because um, I was in army cadets from like the age of 12 until 18. I was in army cadets at the auto, like the general general foot guards uh, in Ottawa. So I was super into it and I loved it. And that's what I did with my summers until I switched over to, uh, team Ontario. But every summer I was on an army base for six weeks in a uniform, like doing all these like army cadet stuff. So I really wanted to go to RMC. And after the first year where I got my like offers to go to the States, I was like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even know that was a possibility. So for me, it was just kind of, you know, soaking in that this was a cool opportunity. And, you know, if I keep working hard, like I I'll be able to actually do it. So it kind of just I kept going like that. And as the years went on, um, I kept getting offers. And I was pretty lucky that I was able to wait until my senior year to commit. Like I know nowadays, like a lot of kids are committing, like they feel so much pressure and they're committing so early. But I was pretty fortunate that I, you know, I took my time with it. So I was really just enjoying it and enjoying the whole process. And I only did one official visit and that was at Florida. Um, and that was my senior year. And it was just like, it was the right timing, the right fit. And I went there and I a hundred percent fell in love with it. So for me, like the whole experience was really cool. But because I didn't know what it was, you know, but now nowadays I feel like a lot of kids are like stressing about it. They're sending videos, you know, they're always like, I need to do extra camps and extra this because I need to prepare and try to go to the States. And I'm like, whoa, you know, like back then, like I was just playing. I was just trying to have fun. Yeah, that's super interesting. Like, remind me, how many official visits do you actually get? Because I know there is a limit, but you only took the one and you decided there. So what stood out? What made you so comfortable at Florida? Well, I think like what was so interesting is that my my number my number one choice for a very long time was Nebraska. And I loved everything about the program. Like it's all about volleyball and, you know, it has that like legacy feel. Um, living in, you know, Lincoln was in an, I didn't really care where I was going to live, but I, I had a weird vibe with the coach, you know, like John Cook, he's not the most, let's say like personable guy you would <laughs> ever meet, you know, and he was pretty dry. And 
I didn't, I didn't hate him or not like him, but I just didn't feel that. Oh yeah. I want to go there a hundred percent. Like every time I talked to him, I didn't feel that. And Mary, Mary wise came in pretty late in my recruiting process. And I just heard her talk and she flew in. Like, I think that week she came to watch me practice and she was so amazed by how big my hands were. Um, and she went out like to dinner with my coaches and my coaches kept saying like really good things about her. And, um, and I, I think she came for like Canada day and spent like, it was like a at home visit. She spent Canada day with me and my family. And it was really cool to get to know her on like just a normal human basis. And, um, after that, like, I remember it was like final four for the OUA and, Joe, Jolie and Christine sat me down for like two hours and they talked to me about why I should go to Florida. And they told me all the like good things that would come out of that experience. So, you know, a lot of people that I really cared about, like really liked her. I really liked her. So I was like, why not? Like, I'll give it a chance. And once I got, I stepped foot on the campus. It was an athlete school, you know, like, um, there's Olympians around and like the gator, the gator, like symbol, the gator pride, like you can feel it and it's really cool. So that kind of sold it for me. And by the way, Florida is also a really a top 10 academic school, but yeah, like it, it was exactly what I was looking for and what I wanted. So I, I was bought and sold. Yeah, that's great. And I'm just looking at your bio here, I think I may have skipped a step. Did you have a chance to play? Like, obviously I knew you played provincial team. Did you play for Canada's junior national team before you arrived at Florida? Yeah, I did. Um, I, I think it was, I'm not sure. I think it was like when I was 17, the summer of my 17, um, I played for a junior national team and it was, it was kind of cool because we, um, we did the NTCCs with team Ontario and they selected the junior national team players from that tournament and we were literally like, hey, you made the team. And then it's like we're on a bus to Des Moines going for like our first international tournament. <laughs> so it was pretty insane and like such a quick turnaround. But yeah, I was a, a part of the junior national team program that time. Nice. Any names still pop up that you, you've played uh, either again with uh, at like a FISU or a national team level or, or that are currently on the on the senior national team with you? Uh, I, I don't think so, because I think like... Anna, Anna Dunnan, she played on the junior national team, but she's on the beach side now. And um, Sarah Chase was also on the team when I was there, but she uh, she retired this past year. So, yeah, I was uh, out of my crew. I'm the only one. But I do remember playing against Martinez, the older Martinez sister. And I remember she was like this huge like Dominican girl and had no technique but she could pass like dimes and she was such a good hitter. I do remember her. Nice. Nice. And I, one thing that I think people really need to understand is that when you go to a school like Florida, like obviously you said, like it's a great academic school, but the athletics are, are top tier. You were redshirted in your first year. And I think some people go, Oh, like you shot, had all these opportunities. You could have went to a school that you probably would have contributed as your first year. But what, what goes into those first conversations with your coach about like the value of being a red shirt what makes sense like you're, you're gonna obviously be taking five years to finish your degree and there's some benefits for that as well like what what kind of went into that the conversation did you know you're red shirting before you went to florida or did you find out after the first preseason um it's actually very interesting this story because i don't know if a lot of people know about this but i wasn't red shirted my 
freshman year. I was redshirted my junior year. Oh. Yeah. So it's very, yeah, it's actually kind of insane. So um, I had, I was a middle, like my first, my first year I was a middle. And then my second year, I was a middle left side. So that's like a pretty big, like kind of hop. But uh, in practice, you know, like they were, I was just goofing around and I was hitting on the left and they're like, whoa, you hit pretty well. And I was like, yeah, like I kind of played everything growing up in club. So they switched me to the left side that year. And it was kind of like, okay, like, you know, adjusting, trying to adjust and trying to like find my, my grounds and my bearing. And pretty much like every summer I Every summer, I played with the national team. And on the national team, I was a right side. So I was having like, and I was playing and I was having like a really good um, summer with the national team. And I was like the top scorer for most of our games. And I came back uh, to college for preseason and I was having an amazing preseason. Like I was balling out. But then just remember, like I'm a junior. So then ahead of me, we have like, like we have like two, uh, we had one, one all American left side starting. We had Carly Snyder who was like, uh, you know, she was like a sophomore left side. Um, and she had played the whole, she had played her freshman year. And then we had like another like senior, uh, left side. So there was a lot of competition on the left side and our coaches was, they didn't know what to do. And I remember after one of her practices, Mary calls me up in her office and she says, so shines. I thought she was going to say, hey, you're, you had a really good practice. She's like, what do you think about redshirting? And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, I know this is crazy and it's coming out of nowhere, but you don't have to make a decision right now. But this is the plan. So her idea was there's a lot of competition on the left side and I would be competing, you know, with two seniors and Carly. So she said that, why don't I take a redshirt year to get more familiar with the left side position and also, you know, just a little bit more passing reps. And so that I would play, I would be a full starter. You know, the, the following year we were graduating two left sides. So there'd only be one left side and then it would be me. So I would be a starter my redshirt junior year. And then my senior year, I could be a right side which was the true position I wanted to play. So that was the plan. And then I was kind of like, all right, like I'm on board and why not, you know, like why not have an extra year in college? Like I, I was loving college, you know? So that's how I redshirted. And no part of you wanted to say like any ego would say, Hey, I just balled out with team Canada all summer. Here's my game tape. I'm not redshirting. Like where you were really all in and you thought like this was a great opportunity because correct me if I'm wrong. If you're a redshirt, obviously you're still training with the team, but do you, do you travel to away games? Like what's your role around the team when obviously the schedule takes off? I think it depends. It depends on the, how many players you have on your team. Um, because I think about 14, 14 or 16 players can travel. And at the time we were 16 players. So I was able to travel to all games and to dress for all games, but I wasn't allowed to step foot on the court. Because as soon as I stepped foot on the court, I, my, uh, you know, my red shirt eligibility would have been gone. So, yeah, like, absolutely. When she told like when she told me that, I was like, wait, what? Are you kidding? Like, this is a joke. But at the end of the day, like I said, 
like it's just giving it's just setting me up better for the future and to have an extra year to just work with my coaches to have no pressure about performance or not and to get more comfortable it's kind of you know not a lot of players get that opportunity or that chance you know and since I was competing with a lot of starters it could have been you know it could have been another season of me just sitting on the bench and I lost a year so now I actually was sitting on the bench and I gained a year and I was gaining experience so um you know I trust I trusted Mary and she she like kind of walked me through it and I thought it was a good idea nice and when you take a redshirt year like that are you going pretty hard in the weight room? Like what are some extra stuff? Because obviously you don't have games. So I'm wondering what your yearly plan would have been like that you're, you're training full time and you're doing all that good stuff. But was there more freedom that you could be sore on game day? Cause like you said, you can't step on the court or you're going to lose this whole year and, and give it to eligibility. So were you doing a lot of extra stuff off the court just because you had the freedom that uh, competition was going to be an issue for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I was lifting, you know, I was lifting heavy in season and sometimes when we were traveling with the team, I was, um, the, you know, the girls had off time and I would go and work out with my strength coach. And like I could, I took extra reps, you know, like, so let's say people, I was on one side of the net, like you have the the non-starters on one side of the net and then the, and we're kind of doing hitting lines. And then you have the starters that are going in and they're like practicing our, our game plan. So on the hitting line side, Sometimes I was taking all reps. Like I was the only hitter. Like let's say if I was a middle in that moment, I was the only hitter and I was just hitting every single ball, which was cool because I was, I was getting a lot of reps, even though we were in a team practice setting. And what's it like being at a school like Florida? Because obviously you probably have a great like local hometown crowd. And when you go on the road, like people probably fire up to play you guys. So did, did you ever get caught up in those moments where you're playing for a bigger school? Like maybe some of your games are going to be on TV. Like everybody's firing up for you. You're in a good conference. Like what was it like? Like did that kind of confirm you made the right choice when you went to Florida that you were going to get these big opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Mary always told us when we were on the road, every team is going to give us their best game. You know, like this is going to be their best game. Like it's the highlight to play Florida because if they can get an upset, it's amazing, you know? So being on like just our own home games, I remember we played, we played, it was like our home opener. We played Nebraska and Texas. And I think we played Texas first. We had like 10,000 people in our gym Wow! and it was insane like I could feel the energy and this is just like a regular preseason game like at our own home court it was so amazing to play in that environment and to feel all these people are like yo all these people are watching us like are watching me so that's a really cool you know like not a lot of people like ever experience that so that's really cool and when we're on the road too like a lot of people not just from Florida, but a lot of people in every state, they're Gator fans and they show up to the games and they're like, Hey, like I live here, but I'm a Gator fan. And they're wearing (laughs) orange and blue. And I think that's super cool. And it's not just about like, okay, we're in the SEC and we're really strong team in the conference. But even like I was playing in the Philippines and I remember one of the ESPN announcers, she comes up to me and interviews me before one of my games. And she's like, I watched you your whole career at Florida. And this is like this woman, little woman from like 
Philippines telling me how much she's like she's watched me throughout my career. And a lot of fans in the Philippines, in Japan too, they like follow Gator Volleyball, which is really cool. So it's not just about like, you know, it's bigger, it's bigger than you think, you know, that's the really cool thing. And obviously like in hindsight, it paid off because I, I, again, I'm reading your bio in 2017, you guys go on this huge run and you're having a big year. Like it, it, when you guys took down the SEC, it looked like you had 19 kills and hit 425. Like you're having big games in the tournament. Like what did that year feel like? Are you guys talking in the team room that like this team can win a national championship? Like what were some of the goal setting or early preseason stuff talking about? Because that looked like a, a heck of a run, but I'm wondering how it unfolded from like the first day of your true senior year. Um, honestly, that is my favorite, my favorite year, my favorite season to talk about and my favorite team to talk about because the, the previous year we lost, we had an upset in the second round against FSU and we were up to zero. And I think losing that match really changed everybody's mentality for the following season. So and like leading up to the season, you know, we had a lot of, I had a, like I had a summer with um, our crazy Italian coach. And um, I remember like talking, um, I remember talking to my teammates and saying like, hey guys, like all of us, we were all saying we're going to final four. Like that, that was our mentality. Like we would go out and party together and we would take shots. We're going to final four. Like in everything we did, we're like, we're going to final four. And that was kind of, the vibe and the mentality around our team in preseason we had this lady called tiffany i don't remember her last name but she does like a lot of like i guess team building motivation kind of talk and she came and talked to her team and said are you guys really willing to do whatever it takes to go to final four and we're like yeah whatever it takes and then she she starts naming a bunch of stuff like sleeping sleeping properly and I used to take like two hour naps a day, like three hour naps a day. And she's like, you can't take two hour, three hour naps a day because it messes with your sleep schedule. And I was like, what? <laughs> then she was talking about nutrition. Like, you know, some of us could eat like three, like three burgers and like some McDonald's whenever and be fine. But she was like, are you willing to like make sure you're fueling your body the right way? Um, like if I tell you, you never don't eat one, like one McDonald all season you'll win a national championship. Will you do it? And we're like, yeah, you know, like, and that's how she started. Then she says not to drink any kind of alcohol. And I know, you know, in college and especially in the States, it's a big, you know, it's a big work hard, play hard and party hard mentality. And I have to say our team, we partied really hard, but we played really hard. So then she says that and a whole bunch of people are like, hell no. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like a lot of people are like, there's no way, you know, like there's like the big football weekends and, you know, there's no way like I'm having a dry season. So we start talking about it. And, you know, she talked like she's here for like maybe two weeks. And over the two weeks, she's talking about it. Then she's saying, you guys don't really want to win a national championship because you don't want to give up alcohol. Like, oh, alcohol is more important than a national championship. Then finally, we're like, all right, you know what? It's only like our season's only like four months, right? So we're like, let's do it. Let's try. 
So we, as a team, we said we're going to have a dry season. The first time ever at Florida, um, <laughs> we're going to have a dry season. And I think just having everybody bought in to that idea and to this plan made us, you know, it made us closer in so many different ways, but it really like made us, it's like, okay, it's something, it's something simple, right? But it's not. And we all had to do it. So it was really cool how, you know, throughout the season, you could see us like finding different ways to entertain each other. Like, you know, we would have bonfire parties at my house, no alcohol, just chocolate milk and s'mores, you know? Um, And we were that team. Like we would go to, sometimes we went to parties and none of us was drinking alcohol and all the other teams were like, what? Like, that's insane. But then you see our season, it was totally worth it. And other after that, a lot of other teams started following our footstep at Florida. So I think it's sometimes it's just like little things and simple things. And we just got a lot. We, we got along really well as a team. Um, we were super different, but we all found a way to work well together. And I always say this on any night when we were playing, it wasn't like there was no big star, you know, it was like, okay, Carly, sometimes Carly's like, I can't kill a ball, but I'm going to pass really well so that you and Ramat can kill balls. And then sometimes Ramat was like, I can't, Ramat's like, I can't kill a ball. I'm just going to block every single ball that I can. And for a big part of this, like the first half of season, I wasn't getting a lot of balls, but I was blocking a lot of balls, you know? Then towards the end of the season, I was getting more balls. And, you know, like everybody's role was just very well distributed. So it kind of just showed how well we worked together as a team. And it was a team effort to get to the final four. And then just kind of looking through the schedule again, how much of a boost was it to play like some of these uh, regional and like second round in your home gym? Like it looks like you guys had the opportunity to play in Gainesville a lot. So were people coming out and supporting you? Was it just like an absolute zoo there? Because it looks like the second round you guys played Miami. It looked like it was in Gainesville. And then the regional semis, you guys beat UCLA, you beat USC, and then you were off to the final four. So playing in front of home fans, does it just feel awesome to wake up every day and go to the gym and just know you're going to play in front of this crazy crowd? Yeah, absolutely. It was probably the best thing, you know, like I think we were ranked number two or three, like going into the NCAA tournament. And that allowed, like if you're a top four seed, it allows you to host those two, uh, those two weekends. And it, it does make a difference because it's not just when we won that match to go to final four, you should have seen, like, I have goosebumps thinking about it, but everybody's face and the energy in the gym was insane. Like, People were crying. Like some of our fans were like, I've been coming to the games for since 1996. And finally we're going to, you know, like all these people are as committed like into our season and our wins as we were. And it was so cool to see like everybody was crying, like our doctors, our friends, like, like it was so insane that environment to be able to play in. And we always joke around. We're like, you know, we won the SEC, but we also won the Pac-12 because we beat Stanford, we beat UCLA, we beat what was the other team? We played another team, but you know, we played we played three teams from the Pac-12 and we won against them. So we were kind of like, it was such a cool, it was such a cool environment to do at home and around all these people that are 
supporting us throughout our whole journey, but not just our team, like for years and years. And we had some of the girls that like all the alumni, they came that weekend and came to watch us, which was so cool. And they gave us a little speech, you know, right before we went out there, they came and talked to us and told us they've tried really hard to make it. So like, please do it, you know? So it was really cool. It was such a cool environment. Now, I just want to clarify the the choice of words here because a uh, good friend of the show, Garrett May, he talks about like you should always win. Like your your goal should be to win a national championship. And I, I'm curious, was your goal Final Four? Because you, you guys know how challenging it is. And you're not saying you want to get to the Final Four and lose. Like you want to get to the Final Four and obviously be playing well. But uh, I'm just curious the, the word choice in the team room. Is it around the Final Four? Just because looking through all these matches you played, like your own conference, it's such a grind to get there. Or, or was the talk about a national championship the whole time? time the talk was a national championship like the talk was we're winning a national championship and that that was the talk you know absolutely we need to make it to final four but you don't want to limit yourself and fall short you know and we've felt we've fallen short many years the talk was to win a national championship and i i honestly think you know i when i look back at it it was very it was a very sad game um the finals because it just came to show that like experience, like you have Nebraska, they are a final four program, you know, and the girls that we played against in the finals, I think this was like maybe the second or the third time that they're playing in this kind of environment. And the environment was we're, we're in like a basketball arena. Okay. It's like sold out. There's (laughs) the arena is filled with red and white fans. Like, it was insane. So, yeah, like, that kind of environment, it, it was very tough to play, especially for some of us that had never been in that kind of environment. And we, us as a program, us as coaches, like, we haven't been in the final before in a finals game in a very long time. So I think it's a question of now, if I'm looking at it in a hopeful way, we kind of led the program to the finals. And now it's just a question about they have to keep making it to the final four and eventually they're going to win a final, uh, like an NCAA title. Yeah, not to spend too much time on this. I think it's just such a cool experience because I'm sure some of our listeners, like I think USA Volleyball does a great job that there's like a huge coaching conference usually built around the event. Like you're not joking. These are NBA stadiums, like 18,000 people plus sold out. So as an athlete, what is this journey like in terms of like you're arriving to the city? There's people who are like spending their vacation to come watch you guys. Like like you said, there's a ton of Nebraska fans there. I'm sure there's just general volleyball fans there. Like, is there a lot of distractions around the Final Four? Did you kind of soak it in and be like, man, this is special. Like our sport is special and there's so many people here who are are here just to support us and, and we're going to entertain we're going to show and, and we're going to play well because we've we've earned this opportunity um i have to say there's a mixture of both you know um after like just after we won our match um the elite eight match there was our phones were blowing up all week you know like Everybody like saying, oh, that was an amazing match. Everybody wishing us luck. Everybody saying, I'm going to, um, we were in Kansas City. They're like, I'm coming to Kansas. I'm coming to watch you play. So there, there is a lot of distraction. And once you're there, you have to do all this media. And you're taking like, you're making commercials. You're making like little like videos for interacting with the fans, you know, like playing games. 
you're taking all these headshots, all these group shots. There's a lot, a lot of distractions. And then you have the, you know, you have the athlete like banquet dinner, then you have the all American banquet. There's a lot going on. So our coaches always told us like, Hey, try to just stay focused. You know, don't stay on your phone too much. Don't, you know, like, you know, try to stay focused on the goal and the goal is to play volleyball and the goal it, it is to win. So you have to ha- you have to be really good about managing like all the distractions and also enjoying it, like enjoying all the distractions. Like we get a big duffel bag with a bunch of Nike gear. Like it's insane. It's pretty cool. But you also have to stay like stay focused on task and not let everything else kind of like distract you. Um, I had like my parents, they uh, they went to they went out to dinner and I guess Nebraska fans were like, are you trying to Joseph's parents? And they're like, yeah. And they paid for their meal. You know, like it was so crazy. Um, so it, it is it is a very crazy environment. And there are a lot of volleyball fans, but it, it's so cool. And it's something like, you know, I'll always remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. And then just as kind of an outsider, because I'm not familiar with the NCAA rules as much as maybe I should be. Somebody like you who is already on our national team, probably going to play pro like there. That's going to be something you pursue. At what point do you get an agent? Because my understanding with the NCAA rules, you're probably not allowed to talk to them until your year's done. So did you treat that as nationals are over? My my senior year is complete. I'm going to start talking to agents. Or did you take a little bit of time off before you started to look at the next step in your career? So um, for me, it was different than a lot of other players because I was graduating in December. So on the night on the night that I was playing the finals, that was the night I was supposed to walk and graduate. Um, so for me, it was kind of a question of, I need to get a job <laughs> like, <laughs> after, um, after this game. Like I'm, you know, like I'm out of college. Nobody's taking care of me anymore. Like, so I have to get a job. So, um, I remember the night of there's a lot of agents, like even before a lot of agents were contacting me and I couldn't answer them and I couldn't talk to them. And after the whole, um, you know, after kind of like recovering from the final four, I came back, I was back in Gainesville for about a week because one of my teammates was getting married and I was just hanging out in Gainesville. So I took the time to kind of like move out, like, you know, move my things uh, get ready to move out of my uh, my house, and I was talking to agents. But as a national team player, like I was already a national team player through college, I called my my coach, my head coach at the time, and I had a conversation with him, and he suggested me an agent. And you know, as I think, like as a player who's playing for the national team, in the moment, I thought it was a really good idea to you know, kind of listen to your head coach, your head coach for a national team and to go with his agent. Um, but right now I would say it's a bad idea. Okay. Like you need to have, if you're going to have an agent, you need to have an agent that is completely separate from your national team because he was representing my, my coach, but also like a bunch of players on the team. So then you're not really like, you know, you don't have really this person that's working for you necessarily. And that's advocating for you. Um, he's kind of advocating for the head coach and obviously like, you know, head coaches can have, they could like you, they could not like you, they can have an opinion about you, you know, and that could affect 
your relationship with your agent. Um, so I would say always try to have an independent agent that's going to represent you and somebody that's going to not be like your friend, but somebody that has the best interest in you and that you can talk to freely and openly about what you need and what you want. Um, and who's going to explain to you how it all works out because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I feel like over the years, um, I've kind of gone through uh, a few agents and I'm actually, um, I've gone through many agents, but it's, it's a very hard thing to find the right agent for you. And it's okay to switch agents, but it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard world out there. Um, in terms of agents and a lot of people are looking for their own interests, um, and they're not necessarily looking for the best interests of the athlete. Yeah. That's so interesting to hear your journey. I'm glad you've experienced it and kind of made your own decisions in a big way to, to change agents. Cause I think sometimes people feel stuck, but with you being so young, when you first joined the national team, was there anybody in the team room that kind of helped you out and maybe explain that, like, maybe you should give this agent a call or maybe like this league, oh, I've played there and this is the experience or this is what you can kind of expect from this. Like, is there kind of a network you relied on or was it a lot of your own experience that helped you make these decisions? Um, there is a network, like on, especially if you're on a national team, um, all the girls are very open about all their experiences. So just grow, like just growing up, I was hearing all these horror stories, but I also heard like these amazing stories. So I think it's just a question of, you know, you never know what you're going to get really. Like somebody could have a really good experience and then somebody could have a different kind of experience because, you know, you're just different kinds of people. I know like Jen, for example, like I played in Bulgaria and I absolutely hated it. Jen played there for two seasons. Like she loved it, but we're very different people at the core. So that's why it made our experience very different. So I think, you know, um, I think in general, the volleyball world, we're very open and we're very like, you know, we're very helping. So whenever like people will ask me, Hey, like you played on this team. How did you like it? I always like I'll give them all the information. Like I'll tell them how I felt, how I liked it, but I won't try to scare them away because their experience might be different than the one I had. Um, but usually everybody's very open about their experiences and in giving like help and giving feedback and in, in that area. So I don't think people need to worry. I think people just need to be more open about reaching out, like reach out to anyone, like a national team player or any kind of pro player. Um, we're always help, happy to like help and give you the best advice we can um, so that you can enjoy your pro experience. Yeah. I'm just learning through this show, uh, just a few athletes, like there, there's a few clubs that I think if somebody does really well, like as a Canadian, then that club kind of trusts the Canadian system and more and more players go there. Like there's a few, uh, like on the guy's side, there's a club in Finland and it feels like every year there's, there's a Canadian there. And I feel like one person started this trend and it's continuing, but looking at the roster for your France club, it looks like Danny Smith spent a few years there. Did you have a chance to talk to Danielle before you joined there? Or were you kind of just going off your, again, your own experience and what your agent kind of suggested for this club? No, absolutely. Like I remember like after leaving Japan, I said, I want to have a season where I'm in a country where I can speak the language. I can communicate with my teammates because in Japan, nobody spoke English except for the other kind of foreigner on my team. So that to me was very important. And France is like, I'm bilingual. I speak French and English. So I thought that was a nice setup. And 
uh, Brie and um, Hillary are going to play, and Kim are playing in France. So that was also people that I really like. Um, that I would be in the same country and I would be very close to other countries where other other of my friends are playing. So that was very important to me. But in terms of like Danny and the team that I'm, I'm actually going to, uh, the coach had been following me for a couple of years and I, and I know like his name came up and I was familiar with his name, but he was messaging Danny when I said that I wanted to play in France. He was blowing up Danny's phone and was like, <laughs> I want to work with Shana. Tell her to come here. Like, I want to work with her. I want to work with her. So then Danny was like, kind of like talking to me about like her experience and how she liked it. And she said, and to me, like the number one thing that I always look at in any team is, is the coach good? Is the coach going to develop me? Is he going to work with me? Is he going to make me a better player than when I got there? And he was all about that. And he was happy that I was also all about that. So she said, yeah, like she said, I, loved him like he was an amazing coach some girls didn't like him because um but then she said if you work hard he's gonna like you if you don't work hard and you're lazy then he's not gonna like you so um so yeah she did help uh she helped me out in the sense of she gave me a lot of information and she was kind of like a little bit of a bridge of um to communicate with um the coach so that was yeah that was really cool yeah, take me into that because I think it's so funny. Again, just learning through the show that there's there's certain clubs that you join, and that, for lack of a better term, they almost treat you like a video game where I bought you with these stats, so now it's your job to perform, and it's not my job to make you better because you're on a one year deal, and now it's time to like put up numbers, right? Where you mentioned you kind of like those environments where they're invested in you, you're going to get better, you're going to get coached up. So, how do you find these opportunities? Because I think it's so funny that in Japan, like you probably didn't speak the same language as your coach, right? So how do you find these opportunities or what are you doing yourself to make sure you're getting better, whether it's it's watching video or doing a journal or any like uh, kind of soft skills you can do to invest in yourself. But it, it just fascinates me in pro volleyball that sometimes there, there's clubs that are invested in your potential and want to make you better. And there's other ones that are just saying, we're, we're putting your number on the game sheet. You better go out and get some points here. Yeah, and I think like over the years, I've really realized that just because you're a coach doesn't mean you're a coach, you know, like you're a good coach. Um, I think a lot of times some coaches are fortunate that they've had a lot of good players that they don't necessarily, you know, they do the kind of like the tactics, you know, they kind of figure out the game plan and then the players just execute the game plan because they're skilled that way. And then some coaches are all about like, hey, I'm technically going to develop you and, you know, in hopes that this is my investment in you, like in hopes that you stay and that we can, you know, reap the benefits of me developing you. So I, it's, a, it's a very tough thing because you, you never know what you're going to get unless, the, unless you've had players work with those coaches. So my experience in Japan in terms of the development and the coaching was really cool because my coach was actually Brazilian and he's worked with the men's national team for many years. So he was excited to work with me. And um, he's like, oh, you're very young. You know, you can last long. You're in very good shape. So he was all about like, he coached me a lot. Like we would have conversations and like every Monday night it was, you know, we're at coach's house having drinks and eating food. Like his wife would cook dinner and he would talk about volleyball, you know, he would talk about the glory days with the Brazilian national team. So it was really cool to be in that kind of environment and to learn on and off the court. Um, 
so I think that that is very cool. And not a lot of people kind of get that opportunity to, you know, to have a coach who really wants to develop you and who's taking you onto his team, knowing that, Hey, this is like a project. Um, and I've had coaches where I knew more about volleyball and developing and stuff than he did like in the Philippines, you know, um, my coach was really amazing. He was super nice, super sweet. Um, but like, you know, he wasn't necessarily coaching me. Like I was coaching more of the girls, you know, like I was running practice some days, like teaching them systems and, you know, helping girls with some technical stuff, but I was also captain. So I think, you know, he kind of knew that this was the role that I was going to have on the team. So it is a very interesting, uh, it's a very interesting world, like the volleyball world, because you never know what you're going to get. And, just on the topic of coaches, I think it's fascinating that you're still quite young, but I think you've played for three Team Canada coaches at this point, right? Because obviously Shannon's at the helm now. You would have played for Tom Black, and uh, you mentioned you played for, oh gosh, I always forget his name, the Italian guy. What was his name? Marcello. Marcello, yes. Was that your first coach, or did you also get there when Lupo was still in charge? I was there when Lupo was in charge. <laughs> so gosh, you've played for four head coaches so far in your national team career. That's just a kind of a funny observation of where the program started from. But what was that journey like? Because you've already mentioned that you joined the program quite young, uh, just kind of going through the journey and then going through different coaches. Because I think it's it's natural that every cycle, maybe something resets. It's just kind of fascinating that we've had four coaches throughout your career. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, now that we have, a Canadian coach, I think it's, it's going to be interesting because, um, hopefully she's not leaving the country anytime soon or has to, you know, she has another job that she has to attend. Um, so I think that will be, that will be nice to have some, some kind of stability and to have some consistency because, you know, we're always changing like our system. We're always changing our game plan. So I feel like it kind of puts us, you know, we're starting at zero all over again when other programs, they've been building up on, you know, their their volleyball over the years. So I think this will be very, very cool um, for Team Canada to have a Canadian coach right now. And, um, and over the years, yeah, like we've had many coaches and we were in Winnipeg and now we're in Vancouver, which is so much better. Winnipeg, not that I hate it. But there's not much to do, um, you know, like it was just volleyball when we were in Winnipeg and we were so far away from everything. So it wasn't, you know, like going to spend your summers there every year was not I don't think it would have lasted very long. But now that we're in Vancouver, um, there's so much to do. You know, we can have a life outside of the volleyball world, which is nice. And like I remember Jesse, she was you know, she was working a full like like a, a big girl job while she's playing volleyball, which is amazing. And that she even has the opportunity to do that. And I think, you know, we had, we had Lupo as a coach and he was German and I really liked him. He was very, uh, he didn't speak much. He didn't, uh, you know, like he didn't do a lot of things, but, um, I, I liked him. He was, you know, he took me into the team as a young kid. So, um, I'll always be grateful for that. Um, then we had, we had Marcello who, uh, who was very experienced in volleyball and he, he knows a lot about volleyball and he's obviously like coached and been exposed to very high level of volleyball. 
So to have the opportunity to have a coach like that to work with us was a cool opportunity. But, you know, there comes the that line of we don't share the same um, cultural and the same, like, you know, way to do things. So I think he was very old school. And the way I guess he was coached, you know, back in Italy back then, he still coaches that way, which is not necessarily um, – you know, we would say like not safe sport, but, um, you know, all these little modules that we do for safe sport. And, uh, I don't think he follows those things. So I think that was a very interesting kind of time, um, for us and to have Tom black. It was awesome. Uh, I really love Tom black. He, uh, he was very, um, you know, he was a stats guy and he was also like, I liked how he came in and he kind of taught everybody how to do everything from zero, you know, like he's like, this is how you do an approach. You, you take a, and we're doing four step approach. So he's like, you're going to go right, left, right. This is the cadence, like slow to fast. Like, you know, and it's something so stupid you think about, but once everybody is doing the same thing, we look really good, you know? (laughs) Um, so I think, you know, I think now that we have Shannon, um, and a female coach, I think it will bring a lot of, you know, it will bring something different. And she's also like, she's Canadian. So I think it will bring a a very different vibe to the team. And I think it will, you know, hopefully we're moving in the right direction. And she was, she was working with Tom. So she's, she didn't change like everything, which is good. Um, And we're not starting from zero. We're just adding on, which is, I think, really good. Yeah. And just a quick question, because obviously we're not accusing Marcello of safe sports stuff. We're just saying he had a harder style, but I am curious, like that, that style of coaching almost gets called like drill sergeanty, right? But uh, I'm curious with your own background of you going to camps and kind of being around the military and even considering RMC, right? Did you feel like that, that style of coaching was okay? Like you were okay to be coached hard and, or was there just like maybe lack of a better term, just like an offside way of he was communicating or doing things. I'm curious where the line is or, or if your own background yeah. helped you like prepare for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it really it really depends, you know, Um, because I think as a coach, he was very like I said, he was very he knew about volleyball and we all knew he knew about volleyball. But sometimes the way he communicated it was not the best way. But I think also like in terms of like, okay, drill sergeant, um, I, you know, being like in the army or the military, you know, it comes with a level of, uh, you have to be physically able to do certain things. You know, there's a bare minimum. Um, and I think like we, I think overall, I, I was in my best shape ever. Let's just say that. Like I was in my best shape ever because we made some mistakes and we were running suicides, you know? Um, and we had to do it under like a certain amount of seconds. So it is very different from what we've had in the, in the past and what we have now. But I think like the plus side is that we were in very good shape. And, um, but I think like what was, you know, like in terms of like safe sport, let's say, I don't think it was necessarily like the on court stuff that, you know, because everybody has their own coaching style. So I don't think it was a on court, um, that he he didn't really fall into line. I think it was more off the off court. So 
the way he would talk to us, you know, like, um, and like using, you know, the way he would make us feel how he talked to us, you know, like kind of, you know, telling somebody, Hey, you're not doing well. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm not doing well, but you know, there's different ways to say that. But sometimes you would say you're, you know, oh, pardon, <laughs> pardon my French, you know, but okay. sometimes he would say that, you know, and not just like once many times. Um, so I think that's where it comes into, um, you know, like our parents don't talk to us that way Our, you know, like a lot of people don't talk to us this way. So why can a coach talk to us this way? And we are grown women. So I think it's kind of that line of how, you know, like how he was talking to us and also like the, the mind games and the, you know, like he was though, you know, like what he would tell one person, but then turn around and do this. Um, you know, not a lot of his actions didn't necessarily fall with his words and stuff like that. So I think that's where, um, you know, it wasn't like necessarily like physical, um, I wouldn't say like abuse, but like, but it was just kind of like a lot of the emotional and you don't talk to people that way, you know, like, and you can't treat someone that way. So I think that's what, that was the tough part about having him as a coach. Um, but like, if you could, you know, look past that and, you know, keep grinding, you can get a lot. Like, you know, I was like, he made me a better player, you know, because of, the, the intense environment we were in. Yeah, for sure. And, and putting you on the spot with this one, but when we had Tom Black on the show, he, he gave you a nice shout out and I, I'm hoping I've described it well enough. So you remember, was there an opportunity for you to speak in front of the team, whether it was a practice or a match and you told uh, a poem that you added like a creative difference to, do you remember that? And everybody got really fired up around it. I'm trying to think, was it a practice or a game? It might've been a game. And I'm uh, sorry, like, and what did he say? You gave like a, a speech or you read like a team poem, but you added like a nice creative phrase on your own that got everybody fired up. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think what was cool with Tom is that he was super like, you know, he was, some people would say like he was kind of socially awkward, but he was, um, he was very like intellectual, you know, like not like a poet, but he reads a lot and yeah. Uh, and I think it was really cool because it kind of like made practice a little bit more interesting. Like he always had like an interesting point of view or he always had something like to add, you know, um, in every, in every situation. So I think like once we were, he was talking and then I, I used the, the quote from dodgeball, I think. And it was like, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And I kind of like turned it into like volleyball and I don't even remember exactly what I said, but I said something like, um, you know, kind of like dodging like things that we can't control and, you know, all the negativity. And if we can, you know, kind of like dodge those things and like block those things and put them aside, we can create a lot of like, that's where the magic starts, you know, like that's when we can actually, start making all like all the good thing, you know, I don't know, something like that, you know, we start playing good volleyball and everybody was like, they're like, what? But then they kind of like, okay, okay. I can totally see it. I dig it. I dig it. But like a lot of times, like Tom, he would be talking and, you know, everybody's kind of like, you know, you listen to the coach, but nobody's like reacting to what he's saying. 
So once I think I, he was like giving like this little pep speech and then I went like, whoa, I just started yelling. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm fired up. And then everybody's like, all right, yeah, this is a moment to get fired up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like this is a moment. So yeah, I, I think like I really enjoyed him because, you know, like Tom Black, he, he was kind of like a player, you know, like having a, like a guy, but he was kind of like. It's like if he just finished, retired the national team like last year and then he's coming to coach us. That's kind of the feel that I had when uh, when he was our coach. Nice. And, and just your impression of the current squad and just a shout out to Shannon, like how does the current team feel? I guess it depends who you ask, because when we had Jen Cross on Sharp Cut, she mentioned the team felt a little bit different. There was a lot of people that she still needed to meet and talk to. But then when I talked to Hillary Howe and Lane Van Buskirk, they're like, oh, no, like I got some day one people on this team, like since junior national team and since this team. So it feels like there, there might be a young group that knows each other well, but some of the vets might be maybe the odd man out where they're trying to meet new people and just kind of learn people's names and where they're from and all that good stuff right so where do you fit in that like when vnl was announced and the roster gets announced did you know everybody and had played with everybody or was there some new faces you had to meet as well um no i knew pretty much everyone and like i said like i'm a social bird so um even if i was on the a team i was like hanging out with the girls on the b team and you know like i i stick around and i always try to make sure that i'm like connecting with everybody that's in the program um, but there, there was probably like Kennedy. I had never met her before. Um, I had seen her around the gym, like at tryouts or something, but I never like really met her. And especially if they're like players that played in Canada, uh, like I don't necessarily follow like the CIS. Um, so, but like Parker, I had never really talked to her and had like a lot of conversation but I knew she was Parker and I had I think I had played against her and um and she was going to like she was a you know a state's baby so I kind of gave her a little bit of feedback when she was going right before she was going to the states and I was telling her about my experience so but other than that like yeah I knew everybody on the team so I think you know I think the national team were were kind of gaining a lot a lot more depth in all our programs like we have a a team we have a b team and then we have a net team which is and i think junior national team a youth team so i think it's really cool that we're kind of building all these you know all that depth and that all these players can they can kind of move through the program because i remember when i was there it we had junior national team but like i said it was kind of like all right we're gonna send a team so we're gonna pick teams and you know we're sending them right away um, and then after that, I was on, I was on the B team, but the B team, we weren't even a full squad. So we would practice with the A team. Um, so now that we have like all these different kind of teams, I think it's really good for the program and it would, it will allow us to have, you know, like we won't have like a team just of like 10 people, you know, we'll have a full like squad of 40 people and that we can choose from and kind of filter through the program, you know? And because you are so social, is there a chance to talk to the players? Like when you guys are all at the Richmond Oval together, is there any overlap or because practice times are separate, like you being on the senior team, is there a chance for you to talk to any like the NEP girls or what's the dynamic there that now that everybody's in the same training center, but like obviously maybe COVID, they, they deliberately try to keep you guys apart. But I'm just curious, is there time to reach out to some of the up and comers and just kind of give them advice or give them some thoughts or, or just even like learn their names about who the up and comers are. 
Yeah, I think um, so far we have uh, we haven't gone to the the we haven't gone to the Oval yet um, since like the summer started because we all met up in Italy and started training there. Um, I know like throughout the throughout the year we had some of us like zoomed in um, to kind of give like you know kind of talk to the girls and stuff like that, um, but. In terms of, I know in the past, like with the A and the B team, we we would have practice in the morning, but in the at lunchtime we could talk to them, we could hang out with them, and sometimes we would have like a, like a full team meeting. So we'd have all the teams like meet together and uh, have kind of like meetings like that. But I think it's also just kind of like you have to make the effort too. In general, like sometimes even on our own team, I feel like. I'll look at a player and I'm like, I feel like I haven't seen you in like weeks, but we've been practicing every day <laughs> because after you're, you know, like when we come to the gym, it's like, okay, we're, we're practicing, we're doing this, we're doing that. Then you're, then you're exhausted and you're tired, but then it's like, okay, I need to fuel myself. I need to do this. Then by the time, like we're all done with all our activities, especially if we have different like weight room groups, like you're going home and you're like passing out. So you don't necessarily have like a lot of time to, um, connect and bond and not be in a volleyball environment. So I think it's all about like, it's taking that time and making a little bit of effort to, uh, bond with everyone. Awesome. I'm just looking at the clock and I know I promised you an hour and it feels like there's a lot more to get into, which just means you'll, you'll have to come back for another episode. So definitely thanks for everything that you shared. It was great to hear your experience and, and uh, the level of detail. I, I thought I was a fan of yours, but obviously there was some stuff I missed and it was just great to hear your perspective. But uh, usually we like to close every episode. out with just like a funny or unique story. So I was hoping you could give us a, a laugh because something something odd or funny must have happened along the journey when you're crushing it in the NCAA and playing at the national team at such a young age. But uh, volleyball is a fun community. So I was hoping you could give us just one more story before we let you go. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a story of, this was my first like international pro t- um, international tournament. And I was with the national team and I was 18 and we're in Peru in the hotel. And, um, I think we were we were done like we were finishing the tournament and everybody had kind of been like drinking and stuff and I had a drink on the table and um, it's Lupo is the head coach and I like they're like okay everybody we're leaving so I get up from the table and he t- looks at me he's like Shina what are you doing with his like German accent and I was like what do you mean he's like no player of mine doesn't finish their drink. If you want to play for me and if you want to be a starter, you finish your drink. Literally, I like chugged my drink right there and then he's like, good girl. And then we all left the hotel. So I remember like, I'm like 18 and like, you know, my coach is scary. So like, he's like, like, if you want to play for me, you finish your drink. I'm like, okay, I'm chugging this. So yeah, it was pretty cool. That's so funny. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. I think Team Canada is heading in the right spot. And obviously, we'll have to get you back on when we get some more competitions. And it's exciting that you guys are going to be back to training. And then, yeah, you're off to France where not only are you going to have a good year, but hopefully you get to beat up on some fellow Canadians because it sounds like it's going to be a fun league this year. So thanks again for coming on and best of luck with everything else you got coming on. Sounds like a big year coming. Yes. And thank you so much for having me on. I had so much fun talking to you.